0: Good morning, everyone. You have found us on (laughs) the Mental Mental Health and Addiction (laughs) Podcast. I'm Kimberly Walsh, one of your hosts for the show, and I'm with my co-hosts and friends and partners in crime, the amazing Andy Bernstein and Chris Perry-Long hi hi guys so so for those of you who are new to the podcast um chris long just introduce ourselves chris long has been in the industry for many years dedicating herself to working with families and helping people get into treatment andy has been an advocate for changing the landscape of mental health and addiction wow as a producer yeah as a producer of cross check radio with hockey legend kevin stevens and through his own experiences as for wow
1: me, i like that
0: isn't that great? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> As for me, I own and operate Brady's Landing, which is a sober home for women on the Cape. We put this podcast together because the three of us are passionate about reducing the stigma around mental health and addiction, and we believe that the more le- light we shed on these topics, the less people will shun, ostracize, and otherwise punish those who suffer from mental illness and addiction. So, before andre introduces our guests for today's show, we'd like to check in with one another a little bit. So, um.
1: Andy, my friend, what say you? All right. So I'm okay. I'm okay. I get, mm-hmm. uh, I'm confused.
2: <laughs> you were
1: confused, still confused last week. I am confused, but you know what? I started, um, taking my mind off all this. and I actually watched a really good movie. Nice. The, uh, yeah. I, I, nothing about nothing better than watching a movie about mental illness and substance abuse. I watched Silver Linings Playbook. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, I saw it in 2012 and, um was really interesting because fast forward to how mental illness has changed or become more to the forefront. And uh, I didn't really understand. I mean, I got it, but I got it more this time, you know, like Robert De Niro's character. It's a great movie, Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro, Jennifer Lawrence. And, um, you know, it just kind of sheds light on borderline personality and um, bipolar and A gambling addiction because the father was gambling addiction. So I recommend seeing it. It's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a rom com with mental illness. I (laughs) recommend it highly. So other than that, I'm, uh, I'm hanging.
0: I agree. I love that movie. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's good.
3: I haven't (laughs) seen it yet.
1: You're missing. You're missing the boat.
3: It's gonna rain tomorrow, so it'll be. It's on my list to watch tomorrow.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's good. You'll like it.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am uh this has been a rough couple of days, I'll tell you right now. I've had a lot of calls. Um people I think have burned through their stimulus check and uh are now looking to get into treatment and treatment centers are understaffed and um I, I mean I've got I've got more on my plate right now than I've had on my plate in a really long time, which is okay. I'm trying to figure it out and trying to balance, but there are a lot of people that are out there right now that are sick and suffering. And, um, you know, Kimberly, you helped me out earlier this week with what's going on with the system. Um, you know, I called, uh, the attorney general's, uh, I called the attorney general's office the other day and I got some really great information. I haven't had the opportunity to research it, but, um, I got on the phone with this woman and, she uh she shared all kinds of really cool things uh with me i wrote them all down again i haven't done all the
1: i like that uh, you wear a bar and grill shirt by the way
3: well you know what wait it's over here <laughs> it's gators it's when my daughter was in a lacrosse tournament yeah. uh, in florida her senior year in college my other daughter um my husband's nickname is gator so uh, I we went to dinner there with the team and I had to get it because it says Gator and I'm his biggest fan because he's my husband. So Aww. I know the bar, just... just
1: I got you. Just I, look I, at the grill. I, don't look I, at it. I
3: can't. I you're can't figure how excited I You're enough.
1: fine. You're fine. I'm giving you <laughs> <all right.
3: laughs> But anyway. That was um, Yeah. So, I mean, I'm all right. I'm just trying to figure out how to help these people. I'm looking forward to today's guests, though.
0: So. Yeah. Me, I we are absolutely, show. too. Just so real quick one of the things I thought was very interesting is um, as far as the mental health industry goes, did you know that we're about the deaths that are going to, going to and have occurred as a result of the coronavirus and unemployment and the economic depression that we're basically in um, is going to surpass the number of coronavirus deaths. If we don't get back on track. Still?
1: Yeah. So what do, what do you do with that? I mean, I, I, I guess there's a lot of schools of thought, right? I mean, we know the tide, we know the hurricane is coming. Yeah, but what we do thought we, all, we
0: were in it bad before, but if we don't open up, we're gonna economically, we're just not gonna be able to climb back out from under. So,
1: right, no, well, I'm talking about like mental illness and, and stuff. Like, how how do we, how do we, um, you know, we know that that's coming? Is it all economic? Is it, you know, what, what is the the impetus for the increase and what can people do? you know other things people can do and um, you know we don't have to do this now but we could you know we'll put it on our website with some or not our website or facebook page with more information about
3: sure. s-
1: some things that people so, can yeah. do
3: yeah so i th- definitely yeah I, ahead, think, Chris. I think that like um you know i think people are are wanting and needing the physical social we've talked about this before the physical social socializing not everybody has that but there are a lot of Zoom meetings. Um, I just was listening to an article on Channel Five. Um, a gentleman started this this online uh, platform. It's called Monument. I haven't had enough time to go and look at it, but it's called Monument, and you go to it, and what it does is it connects you with therapists and um, other people in recovery, and it's just it's just another platform. It's just another tool. Uh, to help you, you know, not drink or use drugs. Um, so I think there's a lot of stuff online for yeah. people. Um, what's going to happen when um, the world starts to open back up? I mean, we in Massachusetts we never had enough beds at that next level of care and the detox. You know, people are going to lose their insurances, and Mass Health is going to be like the unemployment line where we're going to have a huge spike of people going on mass health and there's, there's not going to be enough beds. We're We're in for, we're in for a really rough summer. It's going to be a long, rough summer.
0: I think it's going to be important too, for people to, people need a purpose. They need to feel like they, they have something to do that they contribute that their contributions are important. And so I think that the sooner they get back to work, um, even if it's, small job doing something that um, gives them sense of a purpose is going to be a critical piece. So the sooner we get, get to be able to uh, are able to do that, the better.
1: I, I, you know, I was listening to Brene Brown, love her. And love I was listening her. to a podcast and she had a, a writer on uh, God is, there's a book called togetherness. And uh, he talks about, I forgot his name. He oh, he was the former surgeon general. Um, and he wrote a book talking about how, um, isolation is the, the key to it, you know, is the impetus for addiction is what he was yes. saying. Yeah. So, um, so don't isolate, <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> right. you know, um, but you no, know, it's called, the book is called togetherness. And, uh, I started listening to it last night because you can even be lonely in a crowd, you know? Yeah. So, so he touches on a lot of this. I know it's a lot of touchy feely stuff, but it's important at the same time, you know, um, as far as isolating, no bueno.
0: Did you guys see the, the little, the Ted talk about rat park, the little rat park? I'm Chris, I'm sure you have where they did a study on rats and they put the rat in the cage and it had regular water and and water laced with heroin. And of course the rat always went to the heroin. Well, this guy comes along and goes, well, let's see, he's just a rat in a cage. He has nothing else for in his life. So then they took the rat and they put him in a, this like, what they called a rat park and it had other rats that they could have all this fun. food they had cheese they had fun they had little tunnels and they could have all this sex that they wanted and and lo and behold they had the same thing water and and the one weight laced with heroin and none of them wanted the heroin water they all
3: they just all drank the
1: there you go. regular
3: water so there it is
1: <laughs> wow
3: so uh talking about heroin uh scary statistic so, since our borders have been closed, uh, there is a spike in heroin overdoses. And the reason that we're having heroin overdoses is because we can't—they can't get the fentanyl from China right now. So, heroin is making is back the-
1: again. Ah. All right. On that note, we got we got some uh, people we want to bring on. Don't want to cut anybody off
0: right, um, Andy? We're gonna make, our it's all about me. <laughs>
1: it's all about you, it Andy. Is. <laughs> uh, um, so let's let's invite our um he, uh, his return engagement to the show. He is a an addiction specialist. Um, he's absolutely one of the uh, world's most interesting people, and he's very bald. Let's welcome Willie Drinkwater back to the show with better sound. Hi, Willie. Hello, everybody. How are you? Good morning. Let's hear that sound. Say. Sound? No, testing one, two. All right. Good. That's better. All right. <laughs> you no, know, uh, just quickly tell us, a, give us a little uh, background about yourself for those who couldn't hear you last week.
2: Uh, I like walks on the beach. No, anyway. <laughs> I've been in the uh, the mental health addiction field for 32 years. I teach UMass Boston in the Addiction House Education Program. I have a private practice. On- Beverly, where I work with addiction and co-occurring, um, I lecture nationally,
1: um, and uh, you're funny. kind of a big deal, right? I,
2: I'm a legend in my
1: own mind. Yeah, there you go. Love you. All right, Chris. <laughs> Chris, thanks for coming back on with us. We loved having you. And um, Chris, you're up. What I'm are we doing? You're I'm up.
3: up. All right. So let's welcome Michelle Dunn from the Gamma. Uh, program, as well as the Carl Dollhouse. Did I say it right? Dollhouse?
4: Did
3: I yeah. say it right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, and then Sean Hayden, um, also from Gamma and the Carl Dollhouse. Uh, I love the Gamma program. I love the Pathway program. Um, I think, you know, uh, Massachusetts needs to make, uh, produce more programs or follow in your footsteps because what you guys are doing is amazing and um it's just really really good stuff and it's nice to know you put somebody uh somewhere and at the mass health level and they're getting you know a a private insurance level of care not that that matters i'm not trying to you know but what you guys do okay yeah she's on
2: okay
1: what
3: you guys do is amazing but the carl Dahl house is a little bit more amazing um so without further ado if you guys want to um, tell us more about it, and then also Michelle, I'd love for to hear for us to hear uh, your updates on um, Alyssa's place, please. Sure.
1: And Did you meet Kimberly?
3: Oh yeah, that's Kimberly. <laughs> she I has she has Brady's Landing down on uh, Cape Cod, Sandwich Mass. Awesome. Yeah. And you know well, Willie?
0: Do- do does she know Willie?
1: You guys me- met? Yeah, Lily? they met. Yeah, I oh, okay. met at a Crosscheck. You remember me, right?
4: Oh yeah, 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 I do. Like i remember okay. you andrew
1: all right good it's all about me go ahead. <laughs> <Okay>.
2: <laughs> why should today be different
1: <laughs> mm, all right go ahead michelle
4: well, i'm going to defer to sean on oh, okay. the farm and gamma programs he is our coo at gamma um so I'll defer to him on that. And then afterwards, I can kind of give an update on how Gamma and um, the AED Foundation collaborated, and um, we're running Alyssa's Place Peer Recovery Center. So,
5: Okay. Well, first, thank you, everyone, for having us on. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, Chris, as you talked about, so Gamma has a, a number of different um, substance use disorder programs under our um, under our structure. Uh, Pathway House, you alluded to, is a men's residential recovery home and gardener 27-bed program, Uh, typically a 180-day program. Um, And that's been around since 1972. So we've been in this business for almost 50 years uh, as a local community nonprofit organization. Um, One of the things that makes us uh, a strong program is we have a really robust aftercare program uh, in the form of both transitional and permanent support housing. So those are sober supportive housing sites, but unlike kind of um, traditional sober housing, these are these are uh, BSAS funded uh, supportive case management programs. So it's it's a sober living environment with on-site case management, twenty-four-seven staffing. So it's a little bit more a um, little bit more robust, a little bit better of a transitional step for someone leaving residential treatment to then go into an environment like this. It creates a, a little bit more of a baby step uh, as they return to the independence. So. We have those transitional housing programs for men and women. We have several in Gardner. We have programs as well out in Greenfield for men and women. And then our permanent supportive housing program is uh, is an apartment building that, that we bought and uh, completely renovated in downtown Gardner a couple of years ago that has uh, 12 studio apartments, all permanent housing for people in recovery from substance use disorders. And there's no time limits on how long they can stay there. And uh, it's a great next step for someone leaving transitional housing because it's a place where they can start to reintegrate their their family or a significant other into their life they're allowed to have a certain number of overnight visits and um, they don't have some of the typical restrictions you find in in sober housing where they're allowed to work you know third shift jobs or they're allowed to go on a vacation and do some of the things um, that aren't always accessible in in a typical sober housing model Um, beyond that we also have a recovery coaching service that Michelle heads up Um, she does a number of things for our agency and then we have the carl Dahl house at Cass Farm which is um, it's everybody's favorite tour stop when they come to visit Gamma. You know, we—it's uh, a 40-acre site in Athol, Massachusetts, and it's a—it's a bit of a hybrid between that sober supportive housing model and a treatment program. So it's—it's it's pretty robust as far as a, a supportive housing site goes. It does have an on-site counselor, um, you know, and in, in clinician input, um, but it's a farm. It's a therapeutic farm, and and, and it's not a commercial operation. What it is we're livestock rescue. So anyone who, um, you know, has an animal that maybe they can't care for anymore or has needs beyond what they can they can handle on, on their own. Um, you know, we adopt animals like that we have this, like I said, this great 40 acre site. And then we have this other component where we have men in recovery from, from substance use disorders and the men live on the farm and they help us operate this livestock rescue. And, um, It really kind of creates a a magical environment because we really we use rescued animals to help rescue people We we, there's so many metaphorical lessons that occur on a farm that can be translated into recovery lessons So, you know, um, you know at first glance someone might think they're just mucking a stall or they're just mending a fence But but when we dive a little deeper um, What we find out is that, you know, um Let's say we have a pasture full of uh, alpacas we have to take care of and we do have alpacas Um, no matter what every single day doesn't matter what the weather is like doesn't matter if you have a sniffle it doesn't matter if you had an argument with your uh, Parent or girlfriend last night You have to get up every day and take care of a handful of things in order to keep that animal alive And then when we we juxtapose that with recovery we find out those same kind of principles are in place I know for me i'm a person in long-term recovery There are a number of things I have to do every single day in my life to keep me well and so we use this this model of caring for the animal to teach the individual how to kind of strengthen their own personal recovery and uh beyond that there's that that magic that animals do where just spending time with them kind of building that relationship getting that kind of affectionate feedback that that physical touch component um the animals are amazing they're the secret sauce for sure you know we have great staff and great clinicians but Nothing replaces a stubborn donkey when you want to work with a stubborn person in early recovery, because the donkey cannot last the person every single time, and um, really teach them a lesson that we can't necessarily convey through words or through a, you know, a great group or a, a worksheet. We can ask someone to do his homework. So, um, you know, it's a relatively small program, so it's a maximum of eight people, so it becomes a really intimate setting. Um, so the staff and, and the residents spend a lot of time together, and uh, you know, we really make sure that that we, we break up the schedule. So we do a lot of things you'll find in a traditional program. We have groups every day. We have uh, sort of um, living activities and ADLs that have to be taken care of, a pretty tight schedule that we keep. But then we make sure we also uh, mix things up a little bit so it doesn't become all farm all the time. So um, that area in, in kind of Western Mass Athol, we, we go on hikes, we go fishing, we go kayaking, we do a lot of great things out there that, that make for a pretty uh, you know a pretty all-encompassing program that we're really proud of.
1: Sean, you also, you guys also do a. Um, from what I remember, you have like a another business on site with Gamma that is uh, that does um, kitting or packaging.
5: Is that correct? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We, um, so one of the things that that Gamma does, we really. We we try to be, you know. Obviously, we want to be excellent clinically, but we want to focus really heavily on the social determinants of health as well, because we find that those have just as much of an impact on a person's outcome. So, we really do a lot around uh, employment and job development, as well as as, uh, transportation. But as you alluded to, we have a a social enterprise called Coleman Assembly and Packaging, and as a matter of fact, right now they're considered an essential business. And just down the hall from me, there's fulfillment. Right. What's that? Yeah, they do. They do um, packaging and fulfillment. And at this moment, there's about a dozen people in early recovery down there. They're making PPE. So I've got a crew of people that are making COVID-certified uh, face shields that will go out to hospitals and healthcare care workers all over New England. So that's our way of kind of doing our part, kind of in the crisis. And it also, at the same time, it's creating jobs for people who are in treatment programs or in early recovery. And, uh, you know, it kind of becomes, becomes symbiotic that way.
1: Kimberly? your sound.
0: Sorry. So um, <laughs> I thought the, the program sounds fantastic. I was especially um, impressed with the, the transitional um, piece that you have for for sober living. It's I think it's so important people it's, sometimes forget that they're in a bubble for 30 days. And if you take those people and put them right back into the environment from which they came, their likelihood of success is just it dwindles, you know. They're bound to relapse. So I think that giving them that transitional piece that allows them to have little bits and pieces of their life back slowly is really um, is really a key piece to this whole coming I mean, recovered.
1: It's, so, Michelle, you are obviously you're running. You, I'm. You do a lot of different things, right? I do. (laughs) So tell us about, um, tell us about uh, the dollhouse um, from your perspective and kind of your different uh, things that fall under your umbrella.
4: So um, I oversee the community programs. I feel for the most part, the recovery coaching as well as Alyssa's place peer recovery center on an administrative level. And From a parent perspective, um, you know, having a child who had suffered with a substance use disorder, when we had first toured the property, um, Sean and I, I had sent my daughter, Alyssa, to a similar place, I felt like it was similar, in New Hampshire called Webster Place, um, way back in 2012, I believe. And just that whole environment, the smaller, um, you know, with different kinds of, of being outside, doing some gardening, you know, dealing with the animals. They're not, they weren't heavy animal base, but just having that out in the country, rural setting was really, really therapeutic for her. And as a parent, private paying, um, it was, it was a great setup. So I feel like the, the, the uniqueness of the farm, you know, the person centered, very small, um, you know, everybody gets individual attention. Um, and I mean, who doesn't love animals? I never knew I loved goats. Um, I, (laughs) as much Mm. as I do, um, but they are like the next best thing to a dog. Um, and just the whole environment there, the house, it's an old farmhouse. Um, the staff are amazing. You know, it's, It's just a really great environment. I mean, I can't say enough about it.
1: Willie, as a clinician, the use of animals, can you kind of shed some light on that and how the effects of it? Yeah, I mean,
2: I actually have a therapist right down the hallway from me that that has a therapeutic uh, bunny rabbit and stuff. And it's Aww. really big and it works really well with the kids because, you know, the kids a lot of times will start, you know, to cuddle the bunny rabbit. And then they're more open for, for dialogue, even, you know, having this little fuzzy, fuzzy uh, creature. Uh, I have an 88 pound golden retriever who... Uh, Yesterday, long story short, I was walking him, and this dog came blasting through a storm door right at us. And um, you know, I mean, the dog was the dog was set to attack me, and Char- Charlie just jumped right in front. And I was just amazed because golden retrievers you don't usually think of as a protective dog, but I mean, he went to he went to town. I mean, this dog this dog leapt, and Charlie just knocked him down with his two front paws. he yeah, was back. I ended up in the street, and you know, like falling down on the street, and and the young guy who owned the dog was, you know, terrified. He, he, long long story short, though, I mean, you know, Charlie's basically, you know, my 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 best friend. You get the release of oxytocin, you get endorphin release with animals. Mm-hmm. It's unconditional love. Uh, the story I told Andy though is. is uh, is you have to be careful just how close you are to your dog i was it was a sunday night at home and i was talking to my wife and i i was saying you know in in some ways i know it sounds nuts but you know i kind of hope i go before charlie does because i'm going to die of a broken heart 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 when this dog dies so i'm i'm not really thinking and my my wife yvette turns to me and goes well what if i were to die before you and without thinking i said well do i still have charlie which, which really did go off big you, you you really have to be secure in your marriage to get away with that for but, sure. you know, you know, and and she's like nice and I'm going no 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 I didn't mean that and she goes no yes you did and I said well in a way because he's unconditional and you're not so you know but uh, you, you, you you only get away with that after uh, 40 years of marriage you know so.
3: so Sean I have some questions for you sure. Um what what are you seeing and what is the uh, typical stay of your residents? and are you MAT friendly?
5: Uh, so the easy part is yes, we are MAT friendly. Um, Athol is rural community. However, we have uh, excellent resources in that regard. We have local uh, methadone, suboxone, naltrexone providers uh, and we have a couple of different options. so People can pick the provider they're most comfortable with. So we're absolutely MAT friendly. Um, and then remind me, what was the first half of your question again?
3: Uh, What is a typical, you know, what are you seeing? What are the trends uh, with the ages and, you know, that kind of stuff? What are you seeing?
5: Yeah, sure. So, we, you know, the programs have been in existence. uh, That program has been there for a couple of years. And we weren't really, I think we had some assumptions going into what the the, the patient profile would look like. But it's actually, there's been a few surprises. One is that the age range has been pretty significant. So um, we've seen everything from about 20 years old up through mid-60s. Um, it just seems to be what we really seem to attract is people who aren't necessarily comfortable in traditional therapeutic settings. So there's a lot, and we're dealing with a male population. I don't think I'm revealing any big secrets here. There are some guys that are, um, their pride can get in the way of doing this kind of conversation with a therapist, this, you know, close distance, looking you in the eye. Um, not everyone's super comfortable with that. So what happens is we take that same person and we're side by side having a conversation while we we, we build something or we mend a fence or we're, you know, we're clipping goat hooves or whatever we're doing. We take away that eye contact component and that kind of forced social peace. Nice. And these guys open right up, right? So um, I'd say that people who um, maybe haven't thrived in traditional treatment centers, um, you know, because a lot of treatment centers kind of take on, um, and I say this as a person who attended his share of treatment centers in the day, uh, they almost feel like a school environment, right? You're kind of shuffled from group to group in cookie you know, cutter like on court. What's that, Willie?
2: Yeah, it's like a cookie cutter. It's, it's yeah, the same yeah. yeah.
5: So, so people who have maybe experienced that and haven't found success and and, and are eager for something different um, do really well. Uh, another crowd we do really well with is um, we've seen a lot of a lot of younger people with with ADHD. Who need to be moving, right? That that sitting in a seat listening to a, you know, in a in a didactic group or something hasn't always been the best environment for them. They thrive. Cause we can we can have a clinical conversation while we're on the move. And, and that that's what happens a lot of the farm. When you get a property that size, there's always something to do. And um, these guys do great. They they turn into taskmasters and they really um, it just lets it, it lets their guard down enough to really do well. And um, but as far as typical stay, we ask people to try and commit to a 90-day treatment plan. Uh, we find that that gives them enough time to kind of rotate through the different groups of animals we have, get to learn something, build some skills. And um, but we will tailor that. So I've done, we've done 60-day uh, treatment plans. I have a gentleman there now; he's been there since September. So it's really highly individualized. Wow. And um, you know, someone who's there longer, we start to. Um, you know, change what they would typically do during the day, where they start to have ownership, agency over certain processes on the farm. And we try to build their skill set, because some people actually want to build a transferable skill; They may want to go into the agricultural industry after they leave us. So we really, you know, as Michelle said, you know, with with a max of eight people, we can get really individualized in the treatment plan. That's awesome.
1: How do people, okay, so if you want to um, take advantage of the farm, or uh be with gamma and we may have addressed this but how how's the process work um and do you have to be a resident of western mass to are you guys because you're located in where you're in fitchburg correct
5: we're we're headquartered in gardner uh, okay the farm the, which is you know very close to fitchburg the farm is in Athol, which is about 20 minutes uh, west of, of gardner but um no actually the farm um uh, we've had people from all over the country attend the farm we've had people from Arkansas, and Tennessee, and Colorado. So, people, it's becoming a bit of a destination um, program. But that said, we try to really focus on um, you know the local area. So we'll kind of give preferential um, admission to to local people. We want to be a, a big part of our community. Um, so to, to access. Um, farm or any of our programs, people can can visit our website, uh, gamma.org, G-A-A-M-H-A.org. Certainly reach out to Michelle, she's our Director of Community Engagement. So Michelle is uh, M-Dunn, B-U-N-N, at gamma.org. But again, through our website, through our Facebook, our Instagram, we're we're pretty accessible. And... um, you know we're, we're happy to help if we gadget. can and michelle's always you know I, we're in a little bit of an odd circumstance right now but but michelle does a lot of tours and is happy to host parents or prospective patients on, on tours um right now is a little bit of an odd time but the farm might be the one place we could probably still do some of that because it is such a wide open space we could put masks on and, and still probably accommodate some some
1: tours at this time michelle i have a question for you thank you um i have a question for you as somebody who does the tours when, when you're doing the tours, what are, what is, how do you do the tour? How do you conduct it where, um, not to put you on the spot, but what, what do you try to convey during the tours?
4: At the farm specifically or yeah, anywhere? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, so, yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: I mean, one of the, be- I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I really don't have to say a lot. <laughs> I mean, people come up, they drive up. The view is spectacular. Um, I usually try and have either the, um, the the lady who does takes care of the animals there or um, the program director there. And we just walked through the property, um, you know, sharing about how we started. Um, I'm big on how we started and how we've grown. Um, you know, how did and you just, start? Pardon me?
1: How did you start?
4: It's kind of a long story, um, but long and short of it was we had an individual who was at one point that was a sober house um, not run by us that actually wasn't a sober house and reached out and ended up becoming um, a resident at our permanent supportive housing program and said, you really got to see this property, Michelle. It's friggin' amazing, you know? So I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's
1: anyway. all right. You're on cable um, you Say whatever you so, want.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I yeah. went up by myself, met this, in, you know, met this, um, individual out there. And I was like, wow, like this is pretty amazing. And then I quickly fell in love with the property, but it really didn't matter if I fell in love with it. Sean had to kind of fall in love with it. So I don't know, like a week later, I think Sean, we went back up and I was kind of waiting to see what his expressions were to see if I could read if he was like impressed or he was like, this isn't dumb. Like I didn't know. Um, but we got, I remember we got back in, in his uh, vehicle and he was like, that place is, it's magical. It's amazing. So, you really don't have to sell it per se. Once you see it, it really like the animals, they suck you in, you know, they all are, they all have such different personalities. Um, But, you know, one of the things is you really have to be okay with getting up early in the morning, you know, putting on muck boots, going out there. You can't be timid around the animals. I mean, that's something you can always learn as well, but um, it's work you know, just like your recovery's work, this is, is work as well. And, um, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that, you know, when they came out, they're like, maybe one person that was like, Ooh, like, this is like, I don't want to go in the barn, I don't want to go in the stalls. Like every tour I had was, was so incredibly positive. So I guess I really just, I'm really honest.
1: It sells itself.
4: Yeah, and and you know I'm I'm passionate about the work Gamma does, especially about the farm. Um and I don't feel like I need to have a sales pitch because there's just really no need for it. So
1: Kimberly, can Kimberly, can you relate to what Michelle's saying?
4: Yes, a hundred percent, especially with the
0: animal aspect. Um and I was just gonna ask you too, I'd love to speak with you, you know, outside of this to kind of I was hoping to bring in uh rescue dogs to Brady's Landing to the sober home, and I Mm -hmm. kind of assign each of the girls a dog to take care of um, during their stay, uh, because I know that the the healing that can happen from from having that, from having the animal, from having something to care for, to be responsible for
4: for something else. Um, So I'd love to be able to chat with you about that if you have some time. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And we have a dog that lives in the house. Um, He's a very large Leon (laughs) burger. um but a he what thinks leon. leon burger it's it almost looks like a burmese mountain dog is all i can think of huh. and but he thinks he's a lap dog like he's such he's a love and he like loves everybody loves attention when you first see him you're like oh my gosh that like that dog's huge um but he's he's amazing you know and that's one of he greets everybody he's everybody's friend he you know he's he's pretty awesome so so dogs amazing goats too just in case you're interested we,
1: i want to bring i want us to come up and do a show from the, from from the farm
4: you should hey, we'd love that all right i love that that'd be awesome I,
1: see I, always yeah. thinking hey chris you had questions for you wanted to talk about um michelle's foundation as well
3: yes yep um so back to the farm though um i back always to the farm. back to the farm. Um, I always love to bring new people that haven't heard up to it. And then I join in as the third wheel because your animals are always changing and I love it. Like the pigs, the pigs are just, they're so smelly but they have such funny little personality. well, big person out, they're huge. And they have that's a lot again. of, that's-
1: Yeah. Where'd you go? Mm-hmm. She, she froze. First. She had enough.
3: <laughs> She's done. foundation.
1: We didn't hear you. Can go back. This ah. is a Zoom technical difficulty.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Can you hear me now?
1: Yes. now. Oh,
3: oh, well, sorry. I don't know. It happened. works better when you do that though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say that. Like did did you hear any of me? No. Oh. Left off not really. <laughs> oh, oh, the pigs. Lost,
2: the pigs, yes. the pigs. Mm-hmm. yeah, the
3: pigs uh, they had two pigs originally and you still have only two pigs, right?
5: But well, we have two we have two large large pigs that uh one is Porky, the other one is Amy Swinehouse.
3: Uh, <laughs> I
5: love it. Uh, which is what happens that's what happens when you ask the internet to name your farm animals that's, yeah. With, so.
2: that's uh,
5: great yeah so so porky and amy are uh johnny i don't know what they are maybe maybe 600 pounds a piece
3: that's a lot of bacon
5: yeah, yeah and then we have four uh four miniature pigs and I think two more coming. They, they, those are one of those animals that people think is a great idea, you know, a quote unquote mini pig and then they get to be about 100 pounds. And people go, wow, this is a problem. So we, a lot of people want us to take mini pigs, but we, we do the best we can.
3: Yeah, the um, pop bellies, the, yeah. the pop bellies. Yeah, everybody thinks they're so, they're so cute and they're like this big and then they get to be like this big. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did the internet uh, naming too for a chicken that I have. And I had close to 200 comments of different names it was great <laughs> it was kind of a, a boost um and he ended up being named kramer <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Little Gary laughs> Seinfeld. yeah yeah this, it,
0: the chicken is amazing he's, he's
3: awesome got, he's uh, got this this black feathery hat and he's like he's really little with all my other chickens and he's a rooster and i don't know how he's gonna roost because he's so much littler than all my other chickens <sighs> We won't get into semantics
2: about that, though. Yeah, I'm not touching that one.
3: one. So, Michelle, share about Alyssa's uh, foundation, please.
4: So um, Alyssa's place is our peer recovery center. After my daughter passed away in 2013, um, we started a foundation called the AED Foundation. Um, They're Alyssa's initials, but they're also... Um, you know, the mission is to assist um, individuals and their family members in the recovery process, educate the community, and defeat stigma. So, from there, um, Sean's on my board of directors, and he, we met very early in the process of starting this foundation. And one of the things that um, I think it was like, it was in 2015, we decided what was missing in our community was a peer recovery center. Um, Sean and I had traveled out to the Recover Project in Greenfield, loved what they were doing, only to realize that, you know, um, there was no RFP coming up anytime soon for this, so no funding. So we decided that we would open, open one anyway. We tend to do that a lot, like, oh, that's a great idea. We should do that and we'll figure out the money part later. So that's what we did. Um, Alyssa's uh, Place, uh, Peer Recovery and Resource Center, opened up in May of 2015, and we were self-funding, um, had a ton of autonomy, um, which was good um, because we kind of, you know, did what we wanted and there was no rules, regs, that type of a thing. Um, the flip side of that is that we had to hustle, you know, to to fundraise, um, and one of the big things with the foundation that we wanted to do is provide um, financial support to people in early recovery in the North central mass area. So it was really hard to pay rent to, you know, we didn't have paid staff. We were all volunteer um, and, and expand any kind of hours or anything. So we were open in the evenings. Um, Last February um, you know, we had talked um, AED Board of Directors, you know, Gamma Board of Directors, because Gamma is um, holds contracts with the state. So it made sense for us to go with Gamma to apply for this, um, the RFP. And at first we were rejected and we were really upset about that. Um, and then I think November, Sean, is that when we got the email saying that the state... Was going to um, fund, I think there were seven additional peer recovery centers. Because in our area, there was who was funded was the Recover Project in Greenfield and then EDM, Everyday Miracles in Worcester. And we were the first pop up in North Central Mass. And since then, there's been one pop up in Fitchburg and one in Athol. Um, So in November, we found out that, hey, you have a state contract. So we're super excited about that. It allowed us to hire um, a program director and activities and volunteer coordinator, um, a full-time staff to part-time staff, which is great because under normal <laughs> circumstances, they're open um, six days a week. Um, there's all kinds of recovery meetings that go on, parent support groups. Um, I, I, it's not a drop in center, but it's a place where people can go in recovery or their family members and get support. Um, lots of resources. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's been quite a wild ride. It's been five years this month, actually just a couple of days ago, since we started this journey and, you know, now have funding. So we're excited and, and now they have a lot of virtual stuff tonight. Is gonna be really interesting because they're doing virtual um, paint nights. So oh, that's cool.
1: How does that yeah, work?
4: Not really sure. Um, I'm thinking the way it's gonna go weird. is that yeah. <laughs> we uh got take home kits from um Arts on the Rock, which is a um, organization out of Fitchburg, and they gave us little take-home um paint brushes and canvases. And then I believe they're either going to do like a Zoom or it's a YouTube video. I'm not really sure. But I know that we have 10 people signed up. And um, I've had to kind of step away a little bit, even though I administratively oversee the center. And obviously, it's near and dear to my heart. We do have a program director, so I try and (laughs) relinquish as much control as I can. And they've got a lot of um, really cool stuff coming up. They do a lot of smart recovery groups, which is good. Um, And I I think that um, we're having a mayoral debate on Friday night. Um, Sean could probably talk a little bit more about that. But we're trying to do as much as we can virtually for people to keep them engaged, keep them connected. there's somebody available Monday through Friday from 8.30 in the morning till 8.30 at night if somebody just needs phone support on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 10 to 6. Um, you know, I've even had people from Canada who's contacted me, friends who know what I do, and saying, hey, like, this person needs support. Could they call? And I'm like, yeah, of course they can call, you know?
1: Sounds like I... – go ahead, Chris.
3: So what is it <sighs> – I, I got a call the other day um, of a young man that I've been helping and um, he got a stimulus check and then he's getting his unemployment and his bonus unemployment. His girlfriend had five years clean and he had just shy of like seven, eight months. And watching that bank account going from like this to this overnight, the temptation, it took them both out. and. What are you, I'm convinced, you know, we had this conversation that, you know, his way of thinking was, uh, it's the government's way to, to wipe out the junkies. I mean, those were his words. I don't use that language, but those are his words. And I'm kind of, I'm really scared about the forecast of what's going to happen with the lack of um, support, I guess, availability of support for people that are in early recovery um, or even in long-term recovery, what are you seeing up in your areas?
5: Well, I know we've, we've had discussions internally about that same concern, Chris. You know, we um, traditionally in, in residential treatment, um, it's probably a bad name for it, but we always worried about, we would see people get um, like SSDI retro checks when they qualify for SSDI. So they go from nothing to, you know, 10 or $20,000 in we, we would refer to that as the death check because we'd see that take people out and then you're reading about another overdose. So that was always a concern. That's why we always encourage people. That's the nice thing about having a, a um, transitional continuum of care because there's that wraparound support that that. Can support someone through these transitional phases, right, to help someone, um, you know, too much money, too quick is, is always a scary thing for people in recovery, I hope and, and to your point, traditional meetings aren't, aren't occurring right now, which is really, you know, it's really pretty sad and a lot of people aren't thriving with the online format. They're doing the best they can, but it's not everyone's favorite way of doing things. Um, but I hope that these are the topics being discussed in some of these recovery meetings. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit scary.
1: A question. Um, it sounds like your town and your municipality, I guess municipality sounds like they're very supportive of what you guys are doing and you have a really good relationship
5: with them is that is that yeah so accurate it's, it, yeah it's pre, it's pretty good andrew um michelle started to talk about one of the things we're pretty excited about that um, most places involved with um, this friday night so we're we're getting ready to our our mayor resigned um at the beginning of the year so we're getting ready to have a, a special election to elect the new mayor and gardener and one of the things we're we're doing is we're actually organizing a candidates' night specifically for the recovery community. It was going to be in person, but then COVID came along, so now it's going to be virtual this Friday night uh, via a large format Zoom call. And and we're doing this because um, we're trying to show the recovery community that, that not only are they a part of, but they have a voice. You know, if if someone in the neighborhood, ten percent of our population, is a substance use disorder. Well, we're lucky if we get 10% turnout in some of these elections. So if the recovery community wants to have a voice and and shape the future of of how we are treated, well, we can do that at the ballot box. So it's a little bit of a civics lesson for the people that we care about. And it's also to let the candidates know that we're here, we're here in numbers, and uh, we should be important to you. So we're we're having this night, and um, it'll be a chance for people in the recovery community to ask the candidates questions, to get their positions on certain things, and to find out, or maybe ensure that they will continue to be um, recovery friendly. And it's something as an agency, we really, it means a lot to us. Our, our our apartment building I talked about, we could have bought one that was, you know, on the outskirts of town, but we bought one on on Central Street, right in the middle of the city. And we and we did that, um, it was a little bit of like planting a flag to say, we're here, we're part of your community. Um, you know, and it's just a, a, it looks like any other um, building in downtown, it's a mixed use building. and. Uh, It doesn't say silver house in the front of it, but the community knows what it is. And they see people coming and going and and walking with their kids and going to work and patronizing the restaurants and stores. And it was a little bit of an effort to normalize recovery for for a garden.
1: That's awesome. Kimberly?
0: Yeah, quick question. So do you take we didn't talk much about the the semantics of it. So if someone, say, had BCBS or mass, what, what kind of do you guys take insurance? Is it all scholarship based? How would your regular person who says, hey, that looks, I want to go there. How did they get in?
5: Yeah, so it varies by program. I mean, for the farm specifically, the farm is a private pay program right now. We try to keep it pretty, uh, cost-wise, it's pretty reasonable. Um, and we do fundraise for for scholarship funds. So for people who qualify, um, usually we can try to subsidize their tuition and make it um, make it accessible. Uh, it's a, it, There's been a lot of, uh, there's been a learning curve with with the business side of that, because it turns out farms are very expensive to run with veterinary care, and especially the, the animal population that we that we take care of, they typically have a very high need for animal care and specialized food and diet. And um, even hay is expensive when you go through as much as we do. So we're always trying to fundraise for that. Um, our other gonna... programs? Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I was going to ask, how are you um, in, with the COVID um, fundraising? I know yesterday was giving day. I don't know if you did anything, but is there a way that people can donate to you guys or is there any kind of.
5: Sure. Uh, yeah. So on our, on our, uh, on the farm, the farm has its own website. It's uh, dollhouse.org, D A H L house.org. Um, it's got some great photos on there so you can see the property and things like that. There are uh,
1: a pig with a, those. with a birthday hat on. I love that. Yeah.
5: <laughs> right, right. Uh, on that website there are opportunities to to either donate in general to the farm or to you can actually sponsor an animal on there. so we have some profiles for different animals and you can kind of adopt that the the, the needs for that animal so there's always ways to, to help and contribute um Kimberly to answer your your question our other program so Pathway House um our residential program for men and gardener that is a uh funded program so um yeah there's a picture of the farm there That's Um, beautiful. That's a BSAS funded program. So people are typically funded either through MassHealth or if they are either commercially insured or uninsured, then uh, the State Department of Public Health will will fund them. And our transitional and permanent supportive housing programs um, are typically so we get some BSAS funding for the case management and then residents there um, pay a fee to to live there like a traditional solar house.
0: And it's all men, correct?
5: So Pathway House is all men. We have uh, transitional sober housing for men and women and the permanent supportive housing program is co-ed. And uh, and like I said, we also have our outpatient recovery coaching, which uh, we have male and female coaches. And that is a covered benefit under most MassHealth plans, which we do accept MassHealth for that.
1: Hey, Willie. Yes. Um, tell us about, um, for those who don't know, what is BSAS? I know you've talked about it before.
2: BSAS, mm-hmm. Bureau, Bureau of Substance Abuse Services. They fall under DPH. Uh, I used to be on the Consumer Advisory Board where we would review the RFRs when they first would, would, would be coming back from, uh, uh, from uh, programs. So so, so we, it's a division within the Department of Public Health, BSAS. With uh, Mike Butticelli, the former drug, drug, drug czar under uh, Obama, okay. he used to be the head there and stuff. So a uh, BSAS.
1: Got it. Thank you, Chris. Yeah.
3: Um, I'll be up to visit my friends, my four-legged <laughs> friends real soon. <laughs> right. I need it. And, and I miss you, uh, Michelle. I miss you too. Our road trip got bombarded.
4: Yeah.
1: We're going to come up and uh, thank you guys so much for coming, coming on. Kimberly, any uh, thoughts? I, I wanted to actually before sorry to cut you off i wanted to go around and kind of get everybody's take um before we wrap up the show on some words of wisdom so i'll start with uh, sean if you could pass along any kind of thoughts for people out there dealing with the covid any 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 suggestions
5: you know i would just say um get back to basics communicate stay in touch with people don't don't let this forced isolation force you to um isolate you know um, spiritually or otherwise stay connected to your people i know for me i have to talk to a, a drunk every day that's you know that's a speak but I, I have people i need to talk to every day in my life i need people who uh call me out if i'm if i'm saying funny things and, and as long as i keep doing that and i keep doing the fundamentals i need to do every day i'll stay well so i think that that might happen for a lot of people if they they stick to the fundamentals of recovery
1: great michelle
4: um I would say, you know, just letting people know that we're, we're still open and we're really still business as usual. Um, you know, from our recovery coaching all the way up to our residential program. And, you know, I see it from a family member's perspective and I would tell anybody, don't give up hope, you know, recovery is possible and it happens and reach out, stay connected.
1: Awesome. Uh, drink water. Would say you
2: drink water. No, no, no. I'm interested to find out if there is a, uh if you're thinking in terms of like trying to expand the farm at, at any point, I mean, it, it, it sounds like an awesome pr- pr- program that you have. So is there a plan to, to expand where you are or to try to get another site to replicate it? Cause it seems to be like right on the mark.
5: Yeah. I, I, I can't get into too much detail on that, but, um, I'd say we're of, of similar thinking. And there may be some things in the works that would maybe, um, Allow us to start accepting commercial insurance, which might open things up to a lot more people, which is really awesome I think the long-term future of the farm program and maybe maybe even an additional site or who knows? We'll see more will be reviewed.
1: Okay, thank you, Chris Um,
3: I just want to say You know if you're suffering from anxiety and depression Remember to focus on the things that you can control and not worry about the things that you can't Um, You know stay centered Uh, And we are all together and the map's going to continue to bring amazing people, uh, here for you, for everyone. So reach out.
1: And Kimberly words of wisdom and then take us out.
0: All right. Um, words of wisdom. I think everyone really summed it up. Um, maybe turn off the TV, (laughs) come from love, not from fear. Um, and that will, that, that will do it. We've got um, everyone's contact info on our Facebook page. Michael's taking care of that. Um, we thank will, you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Um, thank you to all of our guests, Sean, Michelle, Willie. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you guys talking about your programs and coming on and being with us here on The Map. And we will see you guys on Friday at 9.30 a.m. live. You have been listening to
4: The
1: Map. See
2: ya. Bye guys. Bye. Have a great week. Thank you, you. Thank you. Bye now. Take care.